Hey guys, welcome to Dear Younger Me, Love Me. And today we have Maddie Hopper here and she is a kindergarten teacher at Andrews Elementary School. She's the online kindergarten teacher. God bless you, Maddie Hopper, for doing online kindergarten. It's absolutely incredible. Um, Maddie is 24 and I have known Maddie since she was a freshman in high school. And so for many years, I've watched her grow from a little peanut to the full-grown adult that she is now, and um, I am so happy to know Maddie. I'm happy that she moved back home from California from going to Biola University. Would you, obviously, you majored in elementary education. And psychology. <laughs> and psychology, amazing. Mm-hmm. Love that. And um, I'm so glad that you're here. Maddie is one of our campus life leaders at Huntington North, and she's just been doing a really great job. And something fun about Maddie is that she used to be a cheerleader. So she's got the high energy vibes and we love that about Maddie. <laughs> but along- Go bikes. Go bikes. <laughs> um, along those lines though, Maddie has always been a people person, always loving relationships, always having lots of friends and just lots of people that she wants to be around and relationships have always been a top priority for you, Maddie. But with relationships comes really, really great things, but then really hard things too. And sometimes those friendships and relationships don't always work out the way that we want them to. And I know you experienced some of that in high school on. Will you share a little bit more about that, Maddie? Yeah, so um, exactly. Relationships are something that I really prioritize in life. And kind of starting in high school and on, I've just seen a pattern where I'm, you know, in a relationship, whether that is with friends or dating or with a family member, and then they make a choice and they choose to kind of walk away from that relationship. And I'm left here wanting to do everything that I can to mend that or to restore that relationship. But ultimately, I can't change the other person's decision. And so I'm just left feeling confused and disappointed and really wanting to grasp for control. When you were in school, what did that looking for control look like? Like what are the ways that you tried to hold on to relationships that you felt slipping away? Yeah, so to already bring up the Enneagram for people who know a little bit about the different numbers, I'm a seven wing eight. So my Um, desires in life are to feel content and then with that eight wing is to feel in control and so really with like the desire to feel content I kind of put that on other people as well like I want to show them like why this relationship is worth it why they should kind of turn the other direction back towards what we had yeah Um, and so yeah so you wanted people to feel content now you did you not only wanted to feel content yourself but you wanted people to be content in your relationship And that kind of like, whether it was, whether they were okay with things or not, that kind of defined whether you were going to be content in a relationship or not. Yeah. Yes. With you trying to push people to be content in your relationships, what are some of the actual like tangible things that you remember yourself doing cringy or not? Um, now back then that you're like, man, I can't believe I did that. That was a big control issue that I struggled with. What are some examples of that? I think maybe just being overly excited and enthusiastic about life or invites I was giving people. So trying to make 
the way that I was choosing to live seem like the most exciting option. And there are things in the world that are going to be more enticing than my, per, my persuasive, you know, you should come to church with me. You should come check out campus life. Like that's not always, um, not always go, going to work. Yeah. So you're trying to prove to them how, how great something was just from you basically like white knuckle happy your way through all of that. Exactly. So where did that leave you? I know we're still just in high school right now. Where did that leave you? Like, how did that leave you feeling about yourself during that time? Yeah, really confused and frustrated and empty for a while. Um, Because when you're like fighting for things on your own and, and nothing's coming from it, you feel a little worthless or you feel like, why don't I have what it takes to win these people over or Mm -hmm. to have them kind of come back into that relationship, um, that we had. Yeah. That, that, I think that is a huge piece. The, why don't I have what it takes? Like just Mm -hmm. taking, you took all of their own choices and their own lives and, and everything like that. And you, you assigned that all to your worth and saying like, if this person doesn't accept the thing I want them to do, then I must not be good enough. I must not be convincing enough. I must not be fill in the blank and in Mm -hmm. all of that. What do you think that did to your self-esteem? Yeah, I think at first, yeah, it really made me feel like crap for (laughs) lack of better words. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel great. Um, You think about, have you ever planned like an awesome party or a surprise for someone and you're really hyped about it and you think they're going to love it. And then they're like, oh, great, thanks. And then you feel awful. Like that's kind of how it felt. Yeah. Um, Just the constant striving and then nothing in return. Mm -hmm. In, In a way, and it was probably unbeknownst to you at the moment, you were giving to get something in return. And then you, since you weren't getting it in return, you're like, well, come, I must not be enough for this person because they're not giving me what I need in return Mm -hmm. and all of that too. And I thought I was fighting for their good the whole time. You know, if you listen to what I have to say, like your life is going to get better when really I I was fighting for selfish reasons because I wanted the safety and the security of those relationships and friendships that I had had for a long time. When really in hindsight, they probably weren't the best for me. And Mm -hmm. I maybe needed to walk away and just say, you know what, it's okay that these relationships aren't going to continue. And I need to trust that the Lord will bring other relationships in my life that will be a fill to me. Yeah. You were holding on to past relationships, even though they were those people were moving on. They were moving in other directions, just like people always do. They grow apart. They grow different ways. But you were just like holding on so tight and you wanted nothing to change and everybody to do exactly what you wanted them to do because you knew it was the best way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And like, as I look at my life and how I kind of operate, resiliency and persistence are two things that are huge for me. I think they get you really far in life. And I think that they're honorable traits, but they can be taken too far. Mm -hmm. And you exhaust yourself and the people around you when you don't know when to say, okay, I'm going to walk away from this. I'm going to set boundaries for myself. Yeah. Boundaries. That's a, that's a really good word to describe what these are. Cause you were even like 
man, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've wanted to help someone and I've tried and I know what they're doing is destructive. And I do have a legitimately better way for someone to do something. Yes. But if they're not asking you for help, if they're not ask, like inviting you into that, the more you push up against that, the more you're going to be violating the boundaries that they've put up in their life. And you're just going to be breaking the relationship apart even more. That's happened to me multiple times before I learned how to have appropriate boundaries. And I still struggle with it sometimes, but yeah, seriously, boundaries yes. is such a good word to describe what they were holding on to and what you were trying to uh, Kool-Aid man through. Yes. And I think, <laughs> absolutely. That's what was hey guys. <laughs> I think as I've just gotten older and grown in my faith, I have um, a better discernment or ability to recognize when to put boundaries in place mm-hmm. and when to say, okay, I have tried to encourage this person and point them in the right direction um, and like, I'm not seeing any change. So now I need to walk away. And that just comes with time and more relationships that you walk through. Mm -hmm. But I did not know really what that looked like in high school. I just wanted to fight for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And then moving into college, how did that, cause high school, obviously you moved literally across the entire country to to college in California from Indiana and so what did that look like for you with those friendships there and and any other relationships that you had yeah one thing as I kind of reflect on that transition from high school to college that I have learned is you can't let those like broken relationships let you live in fear of new relationships that might develop so if I would have said my friends abandoned me. They all made terrible decisions. I must not be worthy of friendship. And I moved to California and didn't invest and lived in fear. I would have missed out on so much. When I moved out to college, I didn't know one single person. And I just kind of jumped in both feet. And I mean, still there to this day, my friends from college are my best friends. And so it's been neat how the Lord restored that because I I wasn't afraid and I wasn't living in fear and I wasn't applying the things that happened in high school, assuming that they were going to happen again in college. And I did have some, I mean, friend struggles who doesn't in college, but I felt like I, because I had learned a little bit more how to put boundaries in place and how to say this relationship might not be the healthiest. I'm going to let you do your thing. Yeah. And then I'm going to find someone who might kind of see eye to eye a little bit more Hmm. um, with me. So we've talked a lot about friendships and I'm so glad that you have found some really solid friends in college, but those aren't the only relationships. We have dating relationships. We have relationships with family. We have work relationships, all of that. So how did that look for, I know you dated in high school and you dated in college. How did that look for you, that desire to control a relationship and to hold on to, to things? How did that look for you in, in those relationships? Yeah, that's a great question. So in college, I was in a pretty serious dating relationship for a little over a year and felt that the commitment level was equal on both sides. And then kind of out of nowhere at the end of that relationship, he decided he wanted to end it. And I was heartbroken and shocked and just really confused. And I wanted to kind of revert back into that 
need for control. And I did. I mean, at first there was a lot of back and forth, like, no, let me explain to you like why this is going to work. And you just can't fight it when someone else is making a choice to walk away. And so I think there was a big shift for me in that relationship after we broke up. There was a day where I was like, Maddie, you don't have to fight this. You can actually let it go and you're going to find a lot of peace in that. That was the first time I think that it really kind of hit me that I had a choice yeah. um, mm-hmm, to not kind of live just with my hands gripped so tightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To hold on to your relationships with your palms up and open. I think so many times we want to control things. And so we like grab onto it and we hold on tight and we think like, okay, when I'm holding on tight, that's how I'm going to keep this relationship. But that's not how God designed relationships at all. It, they're to be hold, held with open hands and that person chooses to stay in those relationships and, and they choose to be there instead of just being forced with a, with, with a strong grip and all mm-hmm. that. And I'm glad that you were sharing about how like practically the way that you were trying to control the situation was to convince this person why they shouldn't believe what they believe. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very, in, very ineffective. It oftentimes <laughs> cannot be done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause I think it's so easy for us to do that is to tell someone why they should think the way that we do and not to think the way that they do. Cause mm-hmm. that, not only doesn't work to keep the relationship together, but it also kind of hurts the other person when you're telling them that their feelings are invalid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you experience that on, on, on that end? Absolutely. And it just drives the two of you further away because there's not any understanding or empathy. Um, you, yeah, invalidate their feelings and kind of where they're at. So yeah. I think it's really important to share like, I hear you. I'm not at the same spot, but not to try to say, actually, you're wrong. And let me tell you why. Yeah. It's the, it's the approach. Yeah. I think there's, there's definitely power in bringing truth to a situation. So if somebody is believing lies about something or if somebody needs clarity, there's a really big difference in explaining the whole story and then trying to convince someone the way that they're feeling is wrong. You know, because you can't change how someone feels. Like if you hurt my feelings, um, you can clarify why you did it and everything like that. But you can't say, well, you shouldn't feel hurt because that invalidates my feelings. And I'm like, yeah, I still be hurt. But now you can bring clarity to it and it can heal the relationship a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So how did that, how did that change for you? Like how did that shift things for you? That, that moment where you, things clicked and you're like, oh my gosh. I need to hold on to things with open hands. How, how did that change your demeanor in that, in that kind of way? Yeah, I think that that was a point when I started realizing that there are bigger problems in the world than my hurt in this moment. And not to numb um, the pain that I was feeling, but life is not always going to revolve around this one relationship ending and this moment in time. And the Lord still has good things in store for me if I choose to look at it that way. So I think the word that I comes to mind is just freedom. I experienced so much freedom when I was like, I'm going to choose to give this up and not fight for it because at this point, 
you know, if it was in the Lord's will for us to continue dating, it wouldn't be this hard. We would feel much more at peace. Mm-hmm. And we had sought a lot of counsel, brought other people into it, and ev- there just was not a lot of clarity. And at least in my life, when I'm experiencing a lot of like internal confusion and I'm in prayer about whatever the situation is, that's a sign to me that I shouldn't move forward. Yeah. And so this uh, wanting to control a relationship and really make it the way that you've always pictured it to be and have those expectations, how did that translate to other relationships with your family or with other people really close to you? So, I mean, a couple years after that, I had a family member just make some bad decisions and hurt a lot of relationships and in my family kind of unit as a whole and ours individually. And the way I approached the healing process after that relationship was broken was completely different. Hmm. Um, I think from kind of the start of that, I was living more open-handedly. Like, Lord, I don't know why this is going on, and I am devastated and heartbroken and hurt, but, like, I know that you're in this, and you're not going to leave me alone in it, and you haven't forgotten me. And there were even times, like, as, you know, I was affected by, by that broken relationship, people would say, Maddie, are you really, like, dealing with this? Are you just, like, doing your Enneagram 7 thing and numbing the crap out of everything? <laughs> and I'd be like, no maybe a little bit <laughs> but <laughs> watch a little bit of netflix right <laughs> right for sure but for the most part like i have so much just peace knowing that like god is in this and he cares about it and he cares about me and wants to restore brokenness whether that is you know in my lifetime here on earth or in heaven in eternity. And so just the way that I kind of thought through and processed that relationship was, was just so different from the start. Yeah. And by saying restored, you mean more like making it the way that it was originally meant to be. Yes. Not like fixing it and making it like, like it has been, but like you, like God is going to make your relationship like it was originally designed to be without that brokenness, without that, that tar all over it or, or anything like that. Like, like people restore buildings or old artifacts. They don't restore them to make them different. They restore them to their original beautiful design. And that's exactly what God wants to do with all of our broken relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you feel like, so I'm hearing a lot of faith in you, Maddie. <laughs> so how, how has your relationship with God held you through all of these changes in your life? So I think at the beginning, you know, going back to that high school friendship that we were talking about, I wasn't really leaning on God. You know, I would just try to apply encouraging scripture to my life and be like, okay, like the Lord is with me, but not really fully believe that, like with every fiber of my being. And as I've experienced, you know, brokenness and heartbreak and then healing from the Lord, even though those relationships have not been fixed, I've realized that the Lord can heal you even when things 
in this world or in your life are broken. And that has been so powerful for me. And just the hope that we have. I was listening to one of Jenny Allen's podcasts and she talks about how as her faith grows, her hope in earth is small and her hope in heaven is huge. And that's exactly how I want to live every day. I want to ask the Lord, God, give me an eternal perspective. Those are two big words, but it pretty much just means help me think about heaven and God's big picture and how we're told that we're going to have trouble in earth, but the Lord is going to make all things new. There'll be no more crying, no more weeping. He's going to restore like an old building, all things. And so just keeping in my mind, the hope that we have in heaven and in a in eternity has really carried me through um, a lot of a lot of hurt in relationships. Yeah, because I think a key part of those hurts in relationships is when when we get hurt and we we feel like somebody did us wrong or or, or those kind of things. We don't want to forgive them until they apologize to us. Once you apologize, once they're sorry, then I'm going to forgive them. But that's not how things generally operate, and that's not what God has asked us to do. So what have you done with that? Because I know that different people have not come back and be like, oh, I'm so sorry for hurting you. So, so how, what have you done with that pain when you can't just have it like a full circle here mm-hmm. on earth right now? Yeah, we want it to be so conditional relationships. We want to say, if you meet X, Y, and Z, then we'll be good. I think it's just the whole, we've talked about the concept of living open-handedly and remembering that like my well-being, my quality of life cannot be dictated by other people's decisions. I would live a really miserable life if people were always, you know, if all I cared about was people meeting my expectations. And so I think, I mean, the root of disappointment in your life is oftentimes expectations set Mm. in the wrong places. And so, I mean, an example of that is my life is going to suck until this person comes back and apologizes and makes things right and turns their life around. You just can't live that way or you'll always be disappointed. Yeah. And, and holding on to bitterness and not forgiving someone hurts you so much more than it hurts them. Because you're the one carrying it all around and they're just living their life, doing their thing. Exactly. So um, Lisa Turkerist, she's an author and a speaker and she has an, an just incredible story. She's walked through a lot. I've listened to a lot of her podcasts and she does some with Jim Cress, who is her counselor. He's amazing. And they have a podcast all on forgiveness. And one episode talks about the importance of forgiving the impact that people's decisions have on you. So let's say you experience something traumatic in your life. You have to choose to forgive that one event once, but that event could continually impact you. You know, at a birthday when you're missing this person, you're going to feel hurt. You're going to want to go back to that event and just, you know, hate might come up in your heart, but you have to say, in this moment, I forgive you for being absent in this life event, in this moment. So it's a continual process. Um, in order to not hold on to that bitterness, like you were talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such that's such good advice to just like you can forgive that one event, but you, when it keeps coming up, because that's what hurt does, that's what trauma does, that's what all of these things do. You have to forgive each moment and not mm-hmm. just keep going back to the one event that happened or the the multiple events that happened to cause that pain. Mm-hmm. 
So how have you, now that you're back here in Huntington and you're teaching and, and all of that, how has that changed you and your relationships here as an adult? Yeah, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I just feel so much freedom and true joy in my life, not needing to control every little thing and knowing that it's not on me. I don't have to carry everyone else's decisions in the world. I'm called to have compassion on them and to pray for them, but I don't have to convince them to change and and I can't. And so that realization has just brought a lot of freedom in my life. And it's really made me appreciate the friendships and relationships where people are choosing, t- choosing me to spend time with me, to live in relationship with me. I just have this whole new, um, I would say, level of gratitude for people in my life. Hmm. It's amazing when we reconcile pain in our life it ends up almost always offering more gratitude when we're like, man, this thing was really hard, but I'm so grateful that like, you know, as the great Katy Perry says, when there's a storm, there's a, there's a rainbow. And, and, and we're so thankful for the storm because it produced some major growth in us too. Absolutely. Um, So during all of these storms, during all of this, trying to hold on to relationships, but them changing all of these expectations that shifted all of this hurt, what have been some verses or songs or, or things that God has provided that have sustained you over this time? Yeah, there's kind of one event and passage in scripture that I probably think about every day. It's been huge for me. And then a song. So my after my junior year in college i got to do a study trip to israel and we traveled all over the country walking where jesus walked just learning a lot of history of the bible and my absolute favorite stop was in magdala and the chapel there represented women of faith in the bible and inside the chapel there were eight pillars on seven of the pillars there were names of different women in the Bible. And then one pillar was left blank to represent you as a woman of faith. And also in that chapel, there is a huge mural that I actually bought and have in my living room now as just a reminder of this. There's a mural of the bleeding woman and her reaching out to touch Jesus's robe. And you can tell it's just like a picture of their feet and their robes and her hand is reaching out. And that piece of art was so powerful for me. Art doesn't usually speak to me, but I just sat there in awe for like 30 minutes while everyone else was walking around. I was just staring at it and I didn't know why it hit me so deeply. And so I went back and I was reading over the passage and um, the woman had been bleeding for years and she thought to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And so Jesus turned and saw her and said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And that phrase, your faith has made me well, has made you well, has been so powerful to me because like knowing who Jesus is and what he has to say about you, your faith in him can heal you even when your life circumstances aren't changing. Now she was actually healed in a physical way, but I also think that emotionally, mentally she was healed. And that's happened for me, like because of my faith and where I'm like fixing my gaze on Jesus, I have been made well, even though my relationships haven't been fixed. So that kind of picture passage has been really powerful for me. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And then, um, There's a song that a lot of people probably know. It's pretty popular and kind of overplayed, but it's The Father's House by Corey Asbury. 
And a part of the song says, arrival's not the end game, the journey's where you are. You never wanted perfect, you just wanted my heart. The story isn't over if the story isn't good. And failure is never final when the father's in the room. And so that's just kind of been a reminder of trusting the Lord in the midst of disappointment. And he's not done writing your story. Even when it feels like relationships are over and are never going to be fixed, the Lord cares about you and wants to make those new someday. So that's been just a powerful song for me as well. And I just like the, the imagery I, I mean, I love the story of the bleeding woman so much because it is so powerful. Just like she had so much faith that Jesus would heal her if he, she could just touch the corner of his cloak, then he, then she will be healed. And that's the kind of faith we need to hold on to of if we could just get close to Jesus, just close enough, then mm-hmm. I will be restored and healed and in all of this. And so, um, and then yes. that's what, that's what powerful faith does is when you're just like, man, these things really are hard. These things really suck right now. And we're living in a pandemic and there's so much disappointment and so many expectations that we have not seen come through or, or even like describing relationships as failed relationships. There are so many of those, but the closer we get to Jesus, the less those things are the most important thing for us. Yes, they can still hurt, Yes, they can still be extremely painful, but our gaze is trying to get, weave through the crowds and get as close to Jesus as we can amidst our pain. And because the bleeding woman didn't heal herself and then go see Jesus, she went to him in her most broken state and ran to him just to get a glimpse of who he was. And I think that that is my heart's desire as a believer. Like I want to crave time with Jesus and just knowing what's going to come from that. And that's not saying every time you sit down and you talk with the Lord or you read your Bible, that you're going to have this new revelation in life and everything's going to be fixed. But the peace that comes from conversing with the Lord and spending time in his word is you can't find that anywhere else in the world. And like you said, it really shifts your perspective and shows you what's really important in life and that you know, maybe the things that you're struggling with aren't as big of a deal as what you think they are. Yeah. Cause I even look back on my life and I'm like, man, I was really worried about this one thing. And now that I'm older, that really doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you know? Yes. Exactly. Perspective changes everything. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. So Maddie, right now, I would love to give you a chance to read your letter to your younger self. Dear younger me, It's okay if you don't have it all under control. God does. When you run to Jesus, you can live at peace, even when a storm is raging around you because he is holding you. He has not forgotten you, and he has your best interest at heart. His peace goes beyond all understanding. Lean into that peace. In the midst of your suffering, know that you've already received the greatest gift, knowing Jesus and getting to spend eternity with him. Don't turn to others for healing, but allow the Lord to do a work in you as you lay your relational burdens before him. Live life open-handed and ask God to give you an eternal perspective each day. Do not allow your earthly relationships or circumstances to define your quality of life, level of contentment, or identity, but remember who God says you are. Chosen, beloved, redeemed. Love me. 
When you said that line, don't turn to others for healing, but turn to God, that is so true. Because I think sometimes it's so easy when we are asking for for someone to apologize, when we want someone to do something and to fit in this certain box that we want them to be in, we're basically looking to them for our healing. Like we have, we have a pain, we have a struggle, and we're looking to other people to heal us instead of looking to God. And that is rarely going to work out at all. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that perspective and that, that, that imagery of turning to others for healing instead of the God of the, the whole universe. We choose to, to turn to another human being who's just as broken and flawed as we are to do the healing. Yep, and you're not giving God any space to speak into your life or the relationship or situation when you go to other people first. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. So. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, this is me, I have a control issue with relationships or I get my heart set so hard on expectations and I get so devastated when they don't work out. What is some advice that you have for people? Or maybe somebody has hurt me in a terrible way and I'm having such a hard time forgiving them. What is some advice you have for people in, in a situation similar to that? Yeah, so for someone who's maybe been really hurt, uh, this is a lot easier said than done, but don't keep a record of wrongs and don't continually go back to the hurt that's happened to you, but choose forgiveness. And um, like we talked about earlier, choose to forgive when their decisions are impacting you in new ways and ask God to help you see things how he does, um, to give you his perspective, to show you that there are other things in life, good things to have joy be found in and really just be still with the Lord and don't strive to solve things on your own. Be willing to just sit and listen and pray and read, read the Bible um, to just hear what he has to say about, about those hurts and how you can really heal from them. Hmm. Yeah. I think another big thing that I heard just as you were telling your story is that you listened to the advice of people that were wise and that could help direct you. Cause sometimes we're so hurt that we don't have the power to stand on our own. Right. And so you, you turned to some authors and you listened to podcasts and you thought you had people that like community, your friends in college, like all of these people to help hold you up when you couldn't stand yourself. And so how, what advice do you have for people who's looking for someone to help them stand when they can't on their own? Yeah, that is huge. Through all of this podcast, I don't want people to hear, do it on your own. Don't turn to other people. That's in moments where your tendency is, oh, this just happened. Tell me what to do. That's not okay. It's good to take a moment and invite the Lord into it. But when you're struggling with deep hurts, you should not go through it alone. Satan wants to use isolation to make you just feel so shameful and to really bring you down. And community is one of the biggest ways to fight against that. So it was choosing friends who I knew who were going to ask hard questions and be intentional with me and say, how are you doing with this today? We haven't talked about it in a while. How are you feeling now? Where are you at? We talked about this in Campus Life this last week, but influence is huge. So who are you letting speak into your life? I had a mentor my, uh, let's see, for three years of college, a 30-year-old woman, she's amazing. And she saw 
all of these relationships just kind of fall apart and really walked me through it and gave me some practical tips, how to kind of keep going when your world just feels like it's a confusing mess, how to kind of ground yourself. So just having like friends your age who can encourage you and also um, remind you to have fun and not to always live in the, oh my gosh, my life is so awful. This horrible thing happened to me. I think that there needs to be a balance of both. And then having a mentor, someone who's older than you, um, that could be someone in your church, a friend, an older friend that you know, a counselor. I went to counseling for a while in college, which was so helpful just to have an outlet and an outside perspective to speak into my life from, from a biblical perspective. So yeah, listen to a lot of Lisa Turkhurst, a lot of Jenny Allen. It's just so easy to kind of get in your own head and form your own opinions. So important to think critically and take, and take in other people's advice and wisdom. Yeah. I, that's so, and I'm glad you brought up counseling because sometimes counseling is like, sometimes you really do need someone who is a trained professional and who has no skin in the game. Like I've been to counseling a few, like for a while. And it's so nice to just go and talk to someone who doesn't know any of the people that you're talking about. And you can just, you can just share and, and, and talk and they, they have zero, like they, they have zero opinions about the other people because it's like, well, I only know them from you and I'm literally just here to help you. That's it. And mm-hmm. it, it's so good to get, cause, um, I have a couple of friends who are, who are trained therapists and they, they always say that, like we have a jungle in our head and their job isn't to clear out the entire jungle for you. Their job is to give you a machete and help you, help you be pointed in the right direction you know, mm-hmm. and to like start hacking away at, at, at thing after thing after thing. So that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have a safe place. Yeah. And then last, the last thing I want to ask you is, now, even in these, these moments where there are a lot of things that are up in the air and how, how do you deal with that control monster wanting to come back up on occasion when, when stuff does seem like it's crazy out of control? Yeah, I think that it's kind of replacing my control into good and healthy things that I can control. So instead of saying, Oh my goodness, I have to know what's going to happen next week with my job as a teacher. I can say, you know what? I can make a choice to make the lessons that I'm teaching for my kindergartners as amazing as possible. Cause I can do that from school or at home. So if you're someone who's seeking control, turn that and use it for the good. If that makes sense, yeah. you've got a choice on what that's going to look like. Yeah. I, I went through this exercise a while ago where if you're struggling with feeling like you needed to control a situation to draw one big circle and then a, a, a smaller circle inside of it. And the outer circle is everything that you can't control that's going on. And then the inner circle is everything that you can control in that moment. And so I'm glad, I'm so glad because it's not saying like, God's not saying, no, don't control anything. Just like live a flippant life. It's like, no, like he wants us to, to plan and he wants us to do things really, really well and to work with all of our heart, but we have to channel it in the right direction. So even like the doing the best lesson plans you can for your kids, like that's a really great way to channel that energy and that desire that God has built within you is this desire to have things this, this certain way and, and everything like that is just channeling it in the right direction. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Maddie, it has been such a privilege sitting here and talking to you about your life and, and all this. Thank you so much for being honest and for being real. And I am so thankful that you're in Huntington County and that you're one of my leaders and that I'm just happy to know you. And you're one of my friends now and you're not a student anymore. And you bring so much joy and so much love to everything that you do. And it is so clear that you have so much faith and it is contagious. And so I, I pray for, for you already as my leader, but I, I, I pray that you will begin to see more and more the fruits of the faith of the hard work that you've put in through these really hard times. And even as a teacher right now during this pandemic, don't give up. You know, God tells us don't give up even when things are hard. And so keep channeling that joy and that love and that faith when things are really, really hard. And thank you so much for being here today. I yeah, love thanks, you so Liz. much. I love you so much, love Maddie. <laughs> and everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you guys like us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow us on all the places you can follow us. Like our Facebook page. And I hope you learned a little bit more about Maddie today, a little bit more about yourself and even more about God. And go out and have an awesome day. <laughs>